Thank you, guys. I love this church, love the vibe, and um, really looking forward to everything that God is going to do in the church. Because you all know that the church starts as a mustard seed and becomes the biggest tree in the garden. And um, in other words, we're just going to reach more and more people in this community for God. So really appreciate um, the ministry of Jason and Sue and the team, and um, really happy to be here. Um, today, um, we're going to focus on one of the statements um, of identity found in John 15, where Jesus said, I am the true grapevine. And I think it's one of the most significant statements in the gospel, and I believe that it is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. We're living in a world of increased anxiety, stress, um, you name it, where people are struggling to cope with life, and when a society or the world is in that kind of place, what people do is they look for multi-sources. You know, we talk about multitasking. There's such a thing as multi-sources. We feel that there's not enough strength, not enough life within us, and so people look in different directions. And uh, whatever you draw your strength, your direction, your inspiration is what you worship. So we live in a world of multi-serve and multi-worship, and it's the one thing that God said no to. Absolutely no. And so we're going to unpack that whole thing. Um, it's a statement of identity. And I don't know what it looked like, but Jesus would have been a young man um, in the Word of God praying. And slowly but surely, God would have been dropping these truths into his heart. And then um, I believe it took quite a while because Jesus was only in his 30s when he began to minister. But he didn't minister until he had a strong sense of his identity. I am going to start ministering to the world. I'm going to carry on after my resurrection because actually I am the true grapevine. Amen. So let's read the passage. Notice that he has a whole lot to say about fruitfulness um, after he made that brief statement. So reading from John 15, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He, that's the gardener, cuts off every branch of mine in other words, it's a branch, it's a, it's a person who's been saved by Jesus that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So here we see God's focus is on fruitfulness. Um, you might often wonder, why is it when I come to church, I'm always being challenged? Because God has said to us, challenge the people into greater fruitfulness. So now you understand if you didn't before. Okay, you've been purified, um, pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. This is something that Jesus repeats all the time. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. That is an intimate relationship. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me, intimate relationship, and I and them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Crazy, isn't it? He didn't say a few things. He says nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. 
Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, there we see the repetition, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. As I said in the earlier service, you could probably sit on this passage for six weeks, and you'd still be getting something out of it. Guys, coming back to identity, because Jesus understood his identity, he was able to do the will of the Father, complete his mission, and achieve his destiny. And I honestly believe the same applies to us, because our identity is wrapped up in Jesus. If Jesus says he is the true grapevine, that statement impacts our lives. And quite interestingly, he immediately gives the Father's identity as the gardener, the overall leader, and he says to us, you are a branch. You're not a life source. And people are burning out. People are stressing out. People are depressed because they are trying to be the grapevine. Okay. God says, stop it. Okay. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop it. You're just a branch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No finger pointing. Right. Guys, I felt quite passionate to ask this question. Seriously, why is the identity of Christ so important? Is it something for us to discuss here, or is it something for us to have on our hearts every time we wake up in the morning? You see, we are nothing without Jesus. Our response is a matter of life and death. And guys, I'm not being dramatic. Your spiritual destiny rests on how you respond to that statement. God has given us, his creation, a free will. I always say to people, the gift of a free will is incredible. Jesus never, ever badgered anyone to serve him. He told us why. It's important. And you see, as a branch, you have the incredible privilege of deciding where you want to attach that branch to. Is it Jesus? Is it yourself? Is it money? Um, is it something that's driving you? It's all your choice. <clears throat> and it's so important for us to understand that. Do you understand your identity as a branch? Um, and you see, if we come back to Jesus, He is everything. He is our creator. He is, in fact, supreme over all creation. And Scripture tells us that creation was created by Jesus and for Him. Every one of us was created for His pleasure. And I want to read verse 17 uh, in that passage in Colossians. He existed before anything else. Jesus Christ is eternal, and He holds all creation together. Do you know that He holds you together? He gives you permission to breathe. Now, none of us know when our life is going to end, but the one who keeps us is Jesus, and He gives a purpose for our breathing. Okay, so He's our Savior. 
He's our leader or Lord. Um, the Bible tells us that He is also the one who is coming back to judge and to bring His reward. In eternity, He is the one who will reward you. And we can read that in Revelations 22, verses 12 and 13. Look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the beginning and the end of creation. Folks, He's the beginning and end of your life. He decided to give you life and the way it all ends is going to be decided by him. And there's, there's quite a scary scripture in Philippians that says that Jesus Christ has been given the highest place by the Father because of his sacrifice of dying for us. And that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord in heaven, on earth, and below earth. You know what it means? That even in hell, those that are tormented will spend eternity confessing that Jesus is Lord. Guys, I'm just saying, right already in there, there's a hundred reasons why you and I should bring Christ back to the center of our lives. He is not a God who is one of our sources. Are you guys with me? You see, I believe the problem today is that Jesus has been reduced to... to um, historical figure, a kind of nice uncle. He was 2,000 years old, um, so we think. Uh, he was a good man. Um, he uh, was born in a manger, and there were like wise men and, and sheep and goats around and all that stuff. And um, he died on a cross. That's why we have Easter holidays. And fundamentally, he has very little influence. Guys, I'm going to go so far as to say, I don't think he even has the greatest influence in church. I think people, you know, I met so many people over the years. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, we moved down from Joburg um, six years ago. And like, we, we couldn't find a church like the church in Joburg. So we stopped serving God. <laughs> Guys, church has become so good today. The welcome team, the food, the lights. You know that the church can replace Jesus as a life source. So I want to ask you, are you committed to view church or are you committed to Jesus in the first? Guys, we had to help you. We are not your life source. Don't put us on a pedestal. We are not God. Whew, thank God. Got that out the way. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, but you know what? Christians take a stand on lifestyle and moral issues. People say, yeah, it's the church. It's Christians. I don't hear anybody saying, Jesus. We're living in a post-Jesus age. I don't know whether we talk about Jesus. If you started speaking to someone in your life group about Jesus, like, well, let's talk about the church. Let's talk about things. Let's talk about uh, your new house, your new car. Because we don't, like, He's a Jesus freak, you know, talking about Jesus. Guys, can we bring Jesus back into our life? Can we bring him back into, into our thoughts, into our actions? Guys, it's crazy. Um, do we ever think of his word as being inspired? Do you know that 
Jesus Christ embodies the ultimate revelation in Scripture. The Bible says he is, he is God made flesh. And Jesus said this about his words in John 6, 63. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. You do know it's not when you put your hand up. It's when the Holy Spirit sees your repentance and sees your heart, and he is the one who gives you eternal life. Um, human effort accomplishes nothing, but the very words, okay? I've underlined the very words. I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Guys, I think what I'm saying to you I would like you to even take this passage of Scripture and read it again. I was on holiday um, out of the country without internet very often. And so I just kind of had my Bible, and I just kept reading this passage because I knew I was going to preach on it. And guys, when we focus and meditate on the words of Jesus, things change in our lives. Um, there's, a, there's a right challenge. Okay, so... There, there are two very important things that come out of the passage we've just read. One is obviously fruitfulness, and the other is the grapevine or the source. Without the source, there can't be fruit. It's got to be a living source. We, and I think that became clear. He kept on saying, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, if you remain in me, if you remain in me, you will be fruitful, you will bear much fruit. And... Um, uh, Something I want to say is our calling, I said this at the end of my message, our calling is to bear fruit for others to eat, not for you to eat. You see, when you eat your food, it's, it's a, when you eat your fruit, it's the same as eating something that doesn't agree with you. What happens when you do that? You get diarrhea, you spend your life on the toilet, you're always pooing. And you know, some of us, are living a life in the toilet. Because instead of bearing fruit, guys, instead of bearing fruit for, and guys, we're going to look at other vines. Each one of the vines I'm going to mention produces a fruit for me. I work my backside off to make money so that I can get a new motor car, so that we can upgrade the cell phone. Um, it just Guys, it's not like you weird or you this. It's just what we do. It's what we do. It doesn't make you evil, but it does kind of start getting you out of God's will. And that's the important thing. Okay, shall we continue? Right. So can I, I, what I want to do before I carry on is just like in one sentence encapsulate the passage in John 15. And this is how it goes. If we remain constantly in an intimate relationship with Jesus, we will produce a great deal of high-quality fruit that will have a life-changing impact on people for generations and eternally. High-quality fruit, just the way we live our lives, the way we care for people, the way we respond to situations, the way we're part of building. Maybe it's a social justice thing. Um, we're helping to build the youth, the kids' church, the way lives change. Our fruit has an impact on other people. That's what Jesus was saying. And it will be a legacy. Our parents, grandparents, focus on your fruit, changing the lives of your family and believing that it will be generational. I don't, my late father, um, I, I wonder what he would say if he knew that, I mean, 
he was a praying dad that actually four generations down the line, his great-grandchildren are, they're little, but they're in the house of God every Sunday. Amen. That's phenomenal. Okay. Guys, there's a couple of truths. Very briefly, the nature or quality of fruit is determined by the vine or the tree trunk. Duh. So, avocado pear trees produce avos. What does a peach what does a peach tree produce? Peaches. Grapes produce grapes. Different kinds of vines produce different kinds of grapes. Guys, you, the, what your life produces, what people remember when you die, is determined by where you're plugged into as a life source. Right. Then we are mere branches, not the source or creators of fruit. Guys, I want to come back to you. We're living in a world of highly anxious, stressed people because they are trying to be the vine. Jesus says, I will leave peace that passes understanding. You will have joy unspeakable. All of that comes by us saying, you know what, God, I can't do it in my own strength. I, I don't have it. I'm actually plugging into you. And then the fruit starts to come. Great. So you're a branch, um, and that's it, whether you like it or not. Then disconnection from Jesus cuts off production of godly fruit, results in spiritual death. He talked about severed branches withering and being gathered in a pile. Do you know that you can actually end up falling away from God in this church? You can work hard. You can... You can be on the worship. I have seen so many great worshipers fall away from God. You can serve and serve and serve. But if that connection with Jesus is frayed and then severed, you will not remain spiritually fruitful. Everything gets too hard. I promise you, it's serving and I'm again and I've got to get up in the morning. I wanted to sleep in today. And you know what? I just get so irritated by uh, Sue and Jason and all these people there. And I don't know why we're in the church anymore. And I don't know. Jason didn't greet me. And you know what? I just, I just feel, you know what? I just need to be by myself. I just need to step back. You can't do it. When you're attached to the vine, wow. We've actually got the best path. I cannot believe God brought us into this church. I just love them. I, I just absolutely love Jason's messages. And you know, Sue preaches bombs whenever she's up here. The worship team, I'm just, whew, I just love God, love people, and love life. That comes from your connection with Jesus. Right. Let's move on. Are you happy? A true disciple is defined by Jesus as someone who bears a lot of fruit. Whoa, can we have that picture up there? Lots of fruit. There is no such thing as a non-fruit-bearing Christian. You see, this world of intense busyness, I always know when someone's drifting away from God, I mean, I bump into them and pick, pick and put, oh, sure, darn it. How did I walk into Graham? Hi, Graham, how are you, how are you going? Yeah, are you going well? Oh. I am so busy. I'm so busy. What they're saying to me, there's a reason why no one has seen me at church for six months. I didn't ask them. Listen, I go between four churches, so I have no idea anyway who's coming and who's not coming because I come back there a month later. Guys, busyness. 
Busyness means we live a different Christian life. We don't really have the energy and the time to really connect with Jesus. Um, we, we, we pop into church. Um, we, we, we don't want, we, we don't want to get caught into something. We just feel that if we actually going to volunteer, um, you know, it, it's going it, to, there's so many things we have to do. It's actually going to affect my life adversely. Guys, that's not discipleship. In the end, you don't produce the fruit. Okay, let's move on. If we attach ourselves to a life source that is not Jesus, we produce different fruit. And I've got a, a shot up there of two different grapes. Guys, they're different. It's, it's a different vine. It's different. And I think what I'm trying to say to you guys, church can't be your grapevine. And neither can work be your grapevine like, and slip into church. But actually, everything about you is about that business and that career. And you, guys, I'm promising you the fruit of your life will be different. The, the stress, the anxiety, or whatever it is, the competitiveness, all those things are the fruit that people see. So, guys, I know this is a challenge, but you know what? It's been a challenge for me personally, by the way. One heck of a challenge, this message. So um, let's get back to what the Holy Spirit impressed on my mind. So I've preached on this before, but I felt the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to bring the focus into the words, true grapevine. And I thought, okay, what is a true grapevine? What is a grapevine that's not true? What determines whether it's true? A vine will be true when it's true to the plans and purposes of the gardener. In other words, when that vine produces the quantity and quality of fruit that the gardener has planned. And we know that. With, um, uh, we're in the Cape where um, our wine farms are famous, and we know that a different wine farms are focused on this kind of, of wine. Sometimes it's sweet. Sometimes it's whatever. And, and they focus on that particular grape and, and method of um, viticulture to produce that kind of wine. That's what they do. They don't just throw the grapes into the vat and see, oh, let's see what comes out. Guys, can I tell you that? God has got a plan and a purpose for your life. He's the gardener. But that, pl that, sorry, that plan only comes to fruition when we are fully connected to one vine, and that's Jesus. Okay, so that's what makes it true. And, and that's why in the Lord's Prayer, that was never intended for, for it to be something that we say by rote. There's a key phrase in the prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, not my will, but your will. Guys, I want to tell you that there's nothing more important than the will of God. And, and Jesus actually said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Only those that do the will of my Father in heaven. So I'm asking you, is your life a representation of the will of God in every situation? Great stuff. So that's what a true grapevine is, the, 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 the life source that brings us to the purposes that God has for us. So if Jesus is the true vine, then it follows that there are other vines. Um, what, when I talk about a vine, I'm, I'm talking about a, a life source that, that inspires, motivates, gives us a reason to get up in the morning, provides the thought patterns, our decision making, 
It gives us our satisfaction and joy. And I'm going to repeat this. Guys, we are living in a multi-serve, multi-source world. Not that it was ever really any different in the old days. And that's why God kept saying, right from the Ten Commandments, one God, no idols. And the Israelites couldn't, when, when things got rough, they chose the, prophet, the, the, the God called Baal. What was Baal? Baal provided them with their income. He was the God that made the lands fertile and grew the crops. So they thought, you know what? Yes, we need, we need the true God, but, but we also need Baal. And God said, no. He said, guys, that's forbidden. And guys, I need to say that. Um, you know, it's, it's, quite, it's quite amazing because I'm going uh, to look at three, three other vines. And from a distance, they look fine. If you got into a helicopter and you just went over the wine area and you just saw um, grapevines with grapes on them, you wouldn't know the difference, would you? But it's when you come closer that you realize, hold it, that's actually not a true vine. And Proverbs 14, uh, 12, um, Solomon says this, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And I want to strongly encourage you, Christian, I think most of us are Christians, or maybe you're searching. There is a way that seems right. And so I'm asking the Holy Spirit right now to begin to speak into your life. Have you got a life source that's not Jesus? Are you into multi-serve or multi-source? And I'm going to look at three. Self, other people, and money or material possessions. Now, that's why it's so interesting. Because in the first place, all three are important. Okay? We all need to have a sense of self, uh, understand our gifts and talents, um, we need to have our own identity, uh, where you, your, what, what makes you unique. But you know that your uniqueness is only of value when it's in God's team. And uh, uh, I, I saw a sign uh, coming up when I was coming from, from Bloberg for a school that said, talked about embracing your uniqueness. But you see, you can embrace it to such an extent that it's actually the thing that's motivating your life. Um, but yes, we all need to know that we, we are uniquely created by God. And you need to have a, self, a healthy self-esteem, sense of worth. You with me? Then other people. Guys, I don't even have to talk to you about it. God saw Adam was alone and said it's not good. We actually need to be in relationship. But let me tell you this. People cannot be your life source, including your spouse. If you got married hoping your spouse is going to give you what you don't have. I always think of Andy Stanley. He says, don't expect your wife to fill that black hole in your life. Sort that out first, then get married. With me. Yes. The best thing, the wisest thing you can ever do when you want to get married. Do you know what the wisest thing is? Marry someone who loves God more than you. Yes. Because he or she will keep you in line. They will continually be the verbal word of God to you. Ask my wife. She keeps me in check. 
Okay. Then money. Guys, money makes the world go round. If you had no money, you'd sleep under a tree. We'd have church under a tree. Okay. So we need money. But we, what we don't need is for money to be the thing that runs our life. So um, let me put it to you this way. Everything, every other vine has its root in sin, which is part of our human nature. We're all born in sin. There's only one life source that is sinless, and that's Jesus. Every other source will bring that sin through and be part of your fruitfulness. The fruit will be mixed. Sorry, the sin will be mixed in your fruit. And um, funny enough, I don't know if everybody believes this anymore. Uh, Romans 5 verse 12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everybody sinned. That's why the Bible says all have sinned and come short of God's glory. No amount of goodness inside of you can please God. That's why we all need Jesus. Now the frustration is this. None of us can guarantee wonderful fruit. That's impossible. We all start relationships with hope. Don't we? I've done a million weddings. But I didn't want to think how many of those people are divorced. I didn't want to go down that road. Everybody has a wonderful time at the wedding. Don't they? Do you know what? What do we do on New Year's Day? Ah, happy New Year! Even though your life might be going down like that, there's always hope. There's, we have hope for the new year. We have hope for our marriage. When you have kids, it's the most wonderful thing. When everything goes, even though that the whole thing can go turtle, your relationship with your kids can be a disaster. Because you, but you can't guarantee. You can't guarantee your relationship with a kid. You can't guarantee 2019. And you can't guarantee your marriage. Outside of Jesus, that is. Okay. So you say, Graham, I don't like what you're saying. Um, so let's read Romans 7, 17 to 20. This is the great Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, the leader of the church, wrote three but most of the discipline. The most reverend bishop, ultra bishop, high bishop, senior bishop, Paul. Let me read this. But I need something more. For if I know that the law, if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. Notice the repetition of I. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. Now turn to your husband and say, that's you. <laughs> Husbands turn to your wife and say, you better be sure that's you. Okay. Right. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. How many of you would ever admit that to anybody else? My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. The actions, obviously, the good actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. Do you know that even when you come to Christ, your sinful nature is not removed. Only by faith. 
By faith, my sins are nailed to the cross. By faith, they're buried. And by faith, I'm raised as a new person. That's all in Jesus Christ. Guys, anyone who marries someone else, either they're not a Christian or their spouse is not a Christian, is simply playing Russian roulette. Yeah. Of course, people stay together for the kids. But I mean, there's so many things that have caused hurts and pain at all. Because without Christ, you can't have true forgiveness. So I'm an advocate for, for the true vine. <laughs> it's only the true vine. It's actually risky for anyone to trust you. You know, you know what they trust? Christ in you. It's Christ in me that is the only thing that's trustworthy. Otherwise, otherwise Romans sends Romans 7 applies. I don't want to do bad, but I do it anyway. The, things, the good things I want to do. And you know, when, when, when money is your God, you lie. You tell the business, I'll, I'll deliver by Friday. You know you can't deliver by Friday. But you want the job because money says you need the job. Hey, you get it by Friday. Yeah, right. Which Friday? Good Friday? Christmas Friday? Okay, that's none of us, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's the other person. Choosing anything other than God as a vine is expressly forbidden. Oh, my word. The Bible says no. Now, in this world where, listen, we're highly independent because we're unique. We've got such potential. So in this world, for anyone to tell me it's forbidden, like, whoa, nobody is going to tell me what to do even Christians. They're just polite. I laugh when I came to table view. If you ever ask people to do something they don't want to do, they're always polite. They just simply didn't do it. Guys, <laughs> I, can, I can rave and rant at all of you. Shake my fist and tell you you're going to burn in hell. It's not going to make a difference. You have to say, Jesus is my life. His word is true. And actually, if by the grace of Almighty God and the strength of the Holy Spirit, I endeavor to obey Him, my life will change. And you know why He forbids us to do stuff? Because He loves us. He knows that if we go down the road, what it's going to do. God only does things out of love. I mean, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one, love the other, or we devoted to the one, despise the other. Cannot serve both God and money. Okay, let's move on to, because we're drawing to a close. All vines, other than Christ, we've said, have sin running through them. But I want to talk about the fruit. You will always get mixed fruit. The one thing I've hated was mixed fruit jam. Remember we used to get mixed fruit jam? I always remember. I don't know what fruit they mixed in there. But... Um, you know what? It's like eating jam, jam and peanut butter. It's the most revolting mixture. And some people love it. Ah! I go, Ugh! Who likes jam and peanut butter? That's revolting. <laughs> Guys, I just want to warn you in the name of the Lord that that is unbiblical. <laughs> okay. Right, because ultimately speaking, okay, let's get on to, 
Okay, ultimately speaking, what I want to say is, guys, guys, I'm not preaching at you. I'm trying to encourage you. With all the good, the bad fruit begins to weigh down the good. And you know what? You, you, you're, like, you're like Solomon, where all the wisdom, he got to the end of the life. He said, you know what? Nothing's worth it. Uh, you must go and read the book of Ecclesiastes. It just says, what's worth it? It's just, everything is just meaningless. That's, those are the words he kept me. So I'm going to put up quickly, if we can just put up um, the first one that says me on it. So, yeah, there's on the left-hand side, um, praise that's due, status or recognition, goal achievement, success, dreams are realized. Um, those are things that can happen when we focus on ourselves. But on the other side, we have denial, midlife crisis, depression, stress, pride, insecurity. Guys, I've never seen anyone who is personally driven that doesn't end up with this stuff. And you know what? People are having midlife crisis in their 20s. The more people keep telling you, get your dreams, do this, achieve that, you suddenly get to 28 and you think, I haven't got there. Guys, you're a midlife crisis about to happen if Jesus is not your life source, even if you're in your 40s, okay, or 50s. Okay, people. Okay, the, the good part of your people, relationships, friendship, intimacy, trust, emotional support, favor, and acceptance. Yo! But because of sin, what do we get? Betrayal, mistrust, isolation, hurt, bitterness, anger, depression, and let me carry on from there. And a lot of people are saying, you know what? I, I can't do this relationship thing anymore. I don't trust people. That's why you've got to give your life to Christ and become part of growing the church. And the best thing you can do in this church is to help people connect to Jesus. Genuinely connect to Him and grow the right fruit. Because let me tell you this. The best thing you can ever do for your spouse the best thing ever is to pray for and encourage your spouse to get close to Jesus. Because he or she is going to produce, he or she will produce the best fruit. The best thing you can do for your kids. You know, people focus on the career and they, they're trying to get their kids into private schools and oh, they're going to get into university. And it's their career, their career. But what's all that worth it? The Bible says if you gain the whole world and lose your soul. Best thing we can teach our kids is to love Jesus without you telling them what to do and have a personal relationship. I was saying in the earlier uh, service, um, our family was always a rush in the morning because my wife's not a morning person. There'd be chaos and crashing and bashing. Kids saying, I'm a prefect, I'm lose my badge, and bang, crash, everyone leaves the house. I would go into their bedrooms. And the wonderful thing, and all that mess, the teenagers are messy, was the open Bible. The open Bible next to the bed. Hear me, I've just given you wisdom that you there's no other wisdom better than that. If you're a parent, what are you? What's your goal? Right, now I need to close. Materialism, your house, your car, your clothes, your toys, desires met pleasure. But on the other side, you know what happens when money runs your life? Mood swing, anxiety. Greed, dishonesty, jealousy, corruption, 
self-centeredness, and even suicide. Oops. Okay. Lastly, Jesus, he only gives us the good fruit, the peace, the joy, the contentment, gentleness, love, faith, hope, legacy, eternal life, significance, salvation, health, wisdom, gifts of the Spirit. You know what they say? I think, I think 80 to 90% of most people's health problems are derived from their anxiety and their fear and their stress. I've spoken to umpteen people who've had dread diseases and I've asked them this question, were you highly stressed before that disease uh, was shown? And in every occasion it's been yes. We were not created to live lives of stress. Guys, just in closing, I just want to give you just two minutes of encouragement. Why you should choose Jesus. He loves us so much, He died for us. He knows us intimately, and because He's both God and man, He understands our temptations. He is compassionate, desires to strengthen us in our weakest and lowest moments. That's why in Matthew it says he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. His name will be the hope in all the world. Not only is Jesus totally forgiving, he loves to restore us as he did to Peter. Peter tried, Peter tried to do it in his own strength, ended up denying Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit, he gives us a supernatural love for people that supersedes betrayal, rejection, and the rest. He gives us peace and joy that defies logic. I give to you the true grapevine, Jesus Christ.